0: Hello again, Archbishop.
1: Hello, it's good to be with you.
0: Wishing everybody a blessed Lent. Yeah,
1: it's, it's well begun. I think we all saw many of our brothers and sisters on Ash Wednesday to begin the season together and uh, begin our time of renewal leading up to the celebration of the Paschal Feast at Easter.
0: I thought it would be a good opportunity today to immerse ourselves in this liturgical season and explore a bit, call, our, call to mind the really rich presentations in Luke's gospel, especially. Uh, the first Sunday of Lent and the second Sunday of Lent. It can be easy to lose the narrative thread between <laughs> between the, the Sundays sometimes. So, you know, I thought we'd walk through those a bit and just see what what's being presented to us and then what we can take in our observance
1: of Lent this year. I think it's a great idea. It provides a, a reminder really that it is a liturgical season and it's uh, best if our own observance of Lent is shaped by the the church's own worship, and the understanding we have of the saving mission of Jesus that comes through, particularly in, in the Gospels. Uh, sometimes around here, you would think that the season is shaped by uh, fish fries, <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, and those are okay, too, but uh, they won't save us. So the, uh, the the encounter we have with Jesus, particularly in, in the Lenten Gospels, uh, is essential. I'm glad we ha- have the opportunity to, to look at a couple of them this week. So the first Sunday,
0: which just passed us, we hear about Christ being led into the desert, and sometimes I, I hear people talk about that as like a, yeah. So he, you know, took a took a vacation into the desert. He took a retreat. He needed just to get away for forty days of not eating. But I, I think we're barely scratching the surface there. So can you, kind of, a, walk us through that a bit and help mm-hmm. us understand what what that's about?
1: There was a transition that Jesus was uh, involved in from his uh, private life in Nazareth. Now that he's well into maturity as a as a man, ready to begin his his public ministry. Uh, He's ready to fulfill in a more public way the mission that he had received from his uh, Heavenly Father. So why did he need to go in the desert and have a time of of prayer and fasting? I I don't know exactly the answer to that, but we know that it was uh, for a good purpose if Jesus, the Son of God, was doing it. So it gives us encouragement at the beginning of, of the season of Lent to think that a time of prayer and fasting can really, even if we don't appreciate on a given day the good of it, that it's entering into a time with those practices helping us is going to lead us to, to something that's really good and, and life-giving. We would imagine that Jesus came to a deeper appreciation, deeper commitment of the, uh, of the will of his heavenly father, a deeper appreciation of the mission for, for which he had been sent, which he was about, as I say, to carry out in, in a more public, a more, more visible way, was already happening you know, in his life, in this world, son of uh, God, son of Mary, but because it was going to have an impact now in a public way on the people who would encounter Jesus, who would listen to him, who would be on the receiving end of his miracles, this was an important time of preparation and transition.
0: And notably, he faces the devil. This is a very provocative moment in, in the gospel. So he's just prior to this, or, or shortly prior to this in the in the narrative, was the baptism and the father saying, you're my beloved son. Mm-hmm. Now he's in the desert, and the devil comes to him and is is trying to tempt him. What is there for say for us today that in the way that Christ faces these temptations mm-hmm. from the devil?
1: It's a great question and first I would say the fact that he is tempted is noteworthy. And we talk about Jesus being without sin, but not without temptation. And mm-hmm. I find that very encouraging. He immersed himself in our human experience and everything. He did he was not self-indulgent. As we would find ourselves sometimes in sin, giving in, into temptations to, to be selfish, which is what some of these temptations that he faces in, in the desert will actually involve. But as we begin our own Lenten journey and realize that we're doing it both in imitation of Jesus, also in union with him, this time of prayer and, and self-denial, we take encouragement both from the fact that he did and that and that it was a struggle for him. We're, um, you know, a few days into Lent, I think most of us, we've perhaps made resolutions and we think, well, you know, this isn't going to be so hard. <laughs> and then uh, then I, we realize, well, this goes on a while. Yeah. It, it's longer than just, than just a few days. So even though the temptations might not, uh, they may be somewhat stark and severe as Jesus faced them, maybe not, not so much. But I think, can we take courage from the fact that we're uniting all this with the Lord himself, with his own experience and that's an encouragement and a source of strength for us. But then the, he is tempted, and I, there's a number of ways of looking at it, you know, in different commentators of Scripture, I think it gives us some beautiful uh, meditation. But if we look at it in, the, in terms of Jesus is, is here to fulfill the mission given to him by the Father, he, his delight is to do the, the, the Father's will, then it's easy to see the temptations as an attraction, you might say, to, to not do that, an attraction to do his own will, to be self-indulgent, to be comfortable. He's come among us to, to give his life. For us to give himself completely for our sake for our redemption the devil is going to present him with these opportunities to be to be just a little less wholehearted about that Mm -hmm. to make things a little bit comfortable cut corners a little and the temptations are cleverly constructed so that it seems this really won't be so bad and and after all you're the son of god why not just take advantage of your of your prerogatives we no, now as we look back on it and as we meditate on this passage of Scripture, that Jesus came to empty himself and not to take advantage of his prerogatives, not to take advantage of whatever it, it might mean to him to have the power of the second person of, of the Trinity.
0: I think one commentator I heard some years ago talked about that, as you just said, tempting him at the, at the place of the mission, when the devil says, well, I'll give you sovereignty over the whole world. Isn't, aren't, you, aren't you the king of everything? Was, mm-hmm. Isn't this, as you said, like a shortcut to... Being glorified, glorified in quotes.
1: Yes, he was about to announce the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. which is another way of talking about God's saving plan for us, His, his people, uh, in in our sinfulness. And the temptation of the, of the devil is, well, you you know, you can have your own kingdom too on the side. You might say, or <laughs> or it can be a kingdom of this world. Yeah. You know, no one would begrudge you that uh, after all. And then we can have all that other. We can take care of all that other stuff too at some point. It's very much reminiscent of the temptation of Adam and Eve. And similar to every temptation, really, hardly anybody gets up in the morning and decides, I'm going to do something really terrible today. (laughs) So I'm going to really hurt myself and hurt other people. Sometimes there's a twisted sense of that, but but hardly ever. Most of us don't experience temptation that way. We see it as at least a short-term good. And here in the temptation of of the, the devil, however that may present itself, kind of what Adam and Eve heard, was that there's you know in my case in this particular moment there there can an exception can be made and it, the the will of God doesn't really bind me or apply to me in this particular case I can fudge a little
0: mm-hmm. in
1: some ways that's what the devil was presenting to Jesus you come to do the will of the Father the Father loves you he's not going to really mind if you blah blah do whatever mm-hmm. again it's an important moment in the in the life and in the mission of Jesus but an important time for us too to to reflect that. Uh, we're not exceptional and that god has put us here with a purpose that purpose is understood and and fulfilled most completely in in acknowledging god as god and and worshiping and and serving god that fulfills our nature it means life for us both now and and in the long run and yet the devil tempts us to think well but you know we, we can pause here a little bit and dally somewhere mm-hmm. that, that would be self-indulgent or uh, really not in harmony with with the will or with, with the purposes of god And it won't be, it really won't be so bad in my case Right. So it was something similar for Jesus. Much the stakes much higher, of course. <laughs> right. And uh, as you said before, that that encounter is real, it's it's a provocative uh, thing to think about. You know, that first of all, that the Son of God would be here right. in the flesh, and then also that he would have this this real encounter with uh, with the devil.
0: Yeah, as you said about Adam and Eve, I was thinking about the the core of it is is to not be dependent, right? mm-hmm. to, to pretend we're not.
1: Mm-hmm. To
0: delude ourselves into thinking we're not dependent, and and it starts to come off off the page uh, as 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 we look at it, and as you as you walk us through this scripture, that's what gets a, affirmed again and again in that in that dialogue mm-hmm. with the devil. Is he doesn't smash the devil with a you know a club or something? And it, this isn't the transfiguration. He doesn't manifest his power other than in being totally dependent on the Father.
1: It's a test of his will. Mm-hmm really his decision to, you know, to love the father and serve the father in everything. And I said, it's similar to, to the temptations that, that we face where many of us could say, you know, I'm in line with God's plan 95% of the time. And, but for this 5%, I'm, I'm going to be God of that part of my life. I don't need God. God has some great ideas, but in this case, again, I choose to follow my own idea, my own plan, my, give in to my fear, whatever it might be, and not have, not have God be God there. Jesus is the son of God, and so it's a different matter for him. But, you know, we look at the Ten Commandments, the the Decalogue and the First Commandment, I think we sometimes gloss over pretty easily because we may picture, well, this means, you know, don't burn incense in front of idols and don't bow down in front of a mountain that you think somebody says is God or worship the moon or something like that. Well, we'd all think, well, I'm not
0: going to
1: be doing anything like that. But what is really involved, we come to realize, is this temptation to, to push God off the throne, even momentarily, mm. and put myself there. You know, so it's not about the moon or a mountain or a, a golden calf, but it's about me uh, putting myself where where Almighty God is, belongs, and uh, at least for a moment, for a particular choice, for a particular category of, of my life, a particular relationship, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the temptation uh, might be. So that's the temptation given to Jesus, in a, in a sense, you know, just push the Father out of the way for a minute, and you, you know, put yourself there. And Jesus refuses to do it again. He, he chooses the will of the Father over the will of the devil. So, it, as you said, it's not he doesn't clobber the devil physically, but the devil loses because Jesus chooses the will of the Father, and so the the devil is banished at the end because he's not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it, it's the choice and freedom to follow the will of the Father that makes Jesus unique as, as the son of God, but also sets the pattern for us as God's sons and daughters to understand what, what freedom is about and how powerful it is, both in terms of harming us, but also in terms of banishing the devil.
0: That could be very helpful for me, uh, I hope for others. For Lent, so often I think our, our temptation, those of us who've been practicing the faith a long time or you know, attempting to to be faithful to what the church asks, at least, you know, okay, well, I'm going to give up something, whatever, is to focus on getting rid of sin, in a sense like to trying to fix the negative. anyway, it just struck me as you were saying that 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 Christ doesn't come and say all right, now I'm going to directly fix all of the evil things. I'm going to advance the kingdom by my yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to advance the good by the good. so to leave no no space for for the devil to have his have his way. you know so if you're if you're worried about that, dear listener uh, and and conquering vices and things, it seems that that's our pattern is that is that first of all that dependence, Sticking close to the church, uh, the liturgy, letting it carry us, but to affirm our sonship or our daughtership. Is daughtership a word? Is that a
1: right? <laughs> affirm our, our identity yeah. As, yeah. as daughters and sons of our Heavenly Father.
0: Right. The more that we do that, the, the, there's no room mm-hmm. for it.
1: Right. But so in effect, we choose it. Right. You know, God has chosen it for us, but we mm-hmm. accept it and, and choose it as an affirmation of God's own choice of us. And then then we lean into it and try to grow into it. As I said, we see Jesus as he's about to begin his public ministry, choosing Uh, choosing his identity as the son of his beloved father, and then choosing to conform his will to the will of the father for our salvation. In some ways, we look at Lent as an opportunity to to exercise our free will, Mm -hmm. so to choose things that are good and, and helpful, and also to deny the things that would be harmful to us, or even to deny things that are okay that are sort of morally neutral, mm-hmm. but as a way of just sort of working out, you might say, exercising the, the will so that when we need it for something more serious, that we know what it means mm-hmm. you know, to, to mm-hmm. be able to be free and to, even in a challenging situation, to, to choose the right thing or the better thing. We're invited during the season to, to these traditional practices of prayer and self-denial and almsgiving, and all of those really involve a, a choosing. In prayer, we choose God. We choose to give time to God. to carve out a space, acknowledge, you know, that God is God. But we don't, you know, we just sort of stumble into prayer. We take part in it actively, whether it's liturgical prayer or our own private prayer. Both are important. But we give that time and that acknowledgement to God in our uh, penitential practices. We maybe give up something: give up coffee, give up chocolate, give up television, give up an electronic device. There's a number of, of things that we can do that aren't necessarily bad in themselves, but it's a way of saying, well, who's making the choices around here? You know, do I just fall into things and, in a sense, don't act freely, but just go from one thing to another? Or am I imperfectly, of course, always, but am I really in charge of my my life, my my time, my choices? And then the same thing when, when we recognize that there are those around us who are in need, that we choose to go out of ourselves to, to assist them mm. in some way, again, another use of freedom. It's not the law, I don't have to do this exact thing. But uh, again, it's, a, it's the commission of Jesus to be concerned about our neighbors, but there's not a compulsion there. We, we need to recognize the other and then reach out in some way. It really is a celebration and an exercise of our freedom. As this gospel re- reminds us, that's really where the devil likes to, to attack us, mm-hmm. to encourage us to choose something that's not of God, choose something that's self-indulgent, and to make excuses for it both before and after the, the choice.
0: So moving to the, the second Sunday, we see the narrative of the transfiguration. This is a, a moment where Christ does peel back the veil and manifests himself in a way that is unforgettable, sounds like, for the apostles. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I sympathize with Peter in this one where he's so excited. I, I just picture him as being like, oh my gosh, <laughs> okay, great, wait, I'm going to put up a sign and we're going to make some booths and this is going to be awesome. We're going to stay here. And then he's rendered silent. hmm I guess, first of all, just help us understand what is happening there.
1: As you say, Jesus' glory as the Son of God is revealed briefly, kind of momentarily for those d- disciples. It, it must have been a beautiful experience for Jesus of closeness to the Father. We can't understand completely how that relationship existed as he was here on earth during his public ministry, but it was not a great moment for him, but also he wanted to share it with these close to him. We normally think that this is going to be an encouragement to them as and to Jesus himself, we presume as he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem and to, to suffer and die, we have this preview of what this is all going to lead to in the end. There's a glory that can't be extinguished ultimately, and that the, the life and the power of Jesus as the Son of God can't, that can't be extinguished, even though he offers it up and it lays it down, another way of putting it. So the disciples can't quite take this all in you described the reaction of Peter. It was very typical of this. All right, not here. This is, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> and uh, it would have been very exciting, consoling all kinds of, uh, of things, but it was not yet the time of fulfillment. They were coming to that time. Extraordinary, really. I'm not sure they ever reflected in a way that comes down to us. Now the disciples of what this meant to them or these three apostles, what this meant to them, you know, during the time of Jesus, mm-hmm. passion and, mm-hmm. and death. And even after his resurrection, how, how they put this all all together you have the sense almost as you're reading this passage that it was kind of wasted on him at, <laughs> at, at, the, at the moment and I don't mean to be flipping about it sure, no, but, but I, again it was too too much to take in and they didn't exactly know what was coming mm-hmm. and so it couldn't have have put it all together right Which put it all together I, then
0: it seems that in the words that they hear the voice say, "This is my son
1: mm-hmm.
0: listen to him so they're just in that position than of waiting. Like, what does this mean? Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. What, is yeah.
1: it, what, is, what does it mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, that, but, but that identity of Jesus is affirmed, let's mm-hmm. it, say, um, for them. And it's a, an affirmation that he, by his humility, by his self-denial, by his willingness to go to Jerusalem and, and to embrace uh, the cross, that that's not a contradiction to his identity as the Son of God, that it's not a betrayal of that or a minimizing it in any way but that that is somehow mysteriously consistent yeah. with this glorious manifestation that they see there.
0: This is how he'll be able to do that. They didn't tell anybody then, and it's later, they were recalling, oh, we, we saw, so when he showed up again in, in, in his resurrected body, they could put these together. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, okay. That's, oh, I guess we knew this was going to, uh, we should have known this was going to happen. <laughs>
1: yeah, somewhat typical of all of us on our yeah. spiritual journey. You know, if we're prayerful and reflective at all, we come to these moments where things suddenly seem to fit together. Mm-hmm. And we look back and we think, well, that, I saw that, an indication of that before, I sh- or I should have seen that coming. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I? Well, we, we don't always see very well, don't always get the big picture. But at moments, then, you know, we have the grace, the light, the experience to see how it fits. We, we sometimes now, of course, looking back, talk about Jesus being enthroned on the cross He's crowned with thorns you know but that, that, that that's a crown of suffering but also sort of a crown of glory we because we we see now the whole picture and we see that the the, the crucified jesus and the glorious jesus it's the same jesus mm-hmm. and they're they're not mutually exclusive quite the opposite actually it's the part of the, it's the whole picture mm-hmm. again uh, uh, applying it to our lenten journey a, a time of penance and and self-denial a time of recognition of our of our sins a need for for god's mercy we see that a moment of humility a few weeks of humility a few weeks of self-denial that that's not inconsistent with the joy of being redeemed by jesus and and being his, his disciple so we hope having had a number of Lent's by now some of us uh, that that we have that perspective and can enter into this penitential season wholeheartedly not in a gloomy way and not in a sensible well, i wonder if god really loves me i better get knuckled down you know and get busy about being the right kind of person in, in imitation of Jesus, and really in union with Him, now as a member of His His living body, we see that the that the penance, the self denial, the the humility, and the the glory and the joy and the fulfillment that that's all part of the same experience, and, and we experience it in our own persons as as Jesus Himself has done.
0: Thank you, Archbishop, for for leading us in this in this reflection, and we'll pray for all of our listeners out there for a blessed and fruitful Lent. They may experience the joy you're talking about.
1: And we see that it's coming, (laughs) even in the midst of a time of penance, and maybe it's hastened by those, by our penitential practices. Amen. Thank you. Blessed Lent to everyone. Thank you for listening to The
0: Shepherd's Voice, a podcast of the Archdiocese of Omaha. For more information, visit archomaha.org slash podcast.